You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. For Jordan Love. 37. Here he is throwing in the middle. It's caught by Watson. He's got great speed. Turning the corner. Christian Watson down the sideline. And he will score. Whoa. Hang on. Love to Watson. To a one-score game. This one is the stunner. You basically feel like, all right, this Eagles team sort of has this thing under control. And then Christian Watson hits the Jets again. Six touchdowns now in the last three games. He is really something. When he gets in the open field and running, that was some throw by Jordan Love, too. What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. If you'd like to text the show, you can send a text message to 865-658-5824. Um, we have got a, a pretty packed show today. I'm, I don't know, man. I am... I'm so giddy just seeing the clips come out of rookie minicamp. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. You know, we've got a, a multitude of, of different types of Packer fans. And, uh, you know, it, it's so cool to to kind of get to know people individually and uh, and see kind of what makes them tick as far as, you know, loving football. There's some that just like the regular season. They can't even stand the preseason. There's some that, you know, once the preseason cranks up, they get really excited. There's others that, you know, it kind of takes training camp to kick things off for them. And then there's people like me and and, and other fans that I'm learning that, uh, man, the second that that the rookie mini camps start right after the draft, it's like, come on, dude, let's get let's get the football season. This is exciting. And, and any information that comes in, any practice that you get uh, to get a, a little bit of coverage of, uh, I'm going to suggest everyone follow Andy Herman on Twitter um, simply because Andy, he does an excellent job at camp. He does an excellent job covering the Packers year-round. Um, but there's just something about his camp updates that that really fires me up. I don't know, man. It It's like this time of the year, like yesterday, for example, and, and I'm recording this on Sunday at about 9 a.m. Eastern time. Yesterday, I'm out on the back deck. I'm grilling a big London broil. I'm just hanging out with the German Shepherd pups, watching them wrestle in the yard, and I'm listening to Andy Herman give me camp updates, right? It, there's just something about this time of the year that it's like, I don't know, man. It, it reminds me of my childhood, 
And I'm sorry if I'm boring you guys with this. I just I, I think it's important to kind of understand what makes people tick. And maybe you guys have similar stories too. And we're going to get into a ton of Packers talk. We it's going to be very hard to keep this under an hour. We've got so much information we're going to cover. Um, but you know, when I was a kid, and and I would you know come home whether it was from school or in the middle of the summer when we were on summer break, they would have these NFL films shown on ESPN, right? And and it was just something about that. Even during the the heat of the summer you knew fall was right around the corner. You knew autumn was on the way. You knew football season was going to get cranked up. And uh, I don't know, man. It's just never changed. I'm 40 years old, and I still feel like a kid when it comes to this stuff. I, I absolutely love it, man. It's uh, it's what keeps me sane. It's what's kept me out of trouble and met some really, really cool people uh, along the way. So let's do this. Um, let's talk a little Lucas Van Ness. You guys know we've done Chalk Talk here recently. We did Lucas Van Ness, and then we did Luke Musgrave. I was going to dive right into Jaden Reed, but I thought, let's let's slow down a bit. We've got a big offseason, right? You know, we're, we're going to be looking for plenty of content moving forward. So what I want to do is kind of key in on, um, on specifics as they're uncovered. So I wanted to hear from Lucas Van Ness, right? I wanted, I wanted you guys to hear just – it was just a brief interview in the locker room at Rookie uh, – Rookie minicamp, we're going to hear from him. And then also we're going to get into a little bit different angle. You guys know on my Chalk Talk episode of Lucas Van Ness, I broke that down. Well, now we have a former NFL head coach, um, defensive guru, spent a ton of time uh, around the game of football. He broke down Lucas Van Ness a little bit. So we're going to play a little bit of that. So you guys, you, you don't take it from the dumb redneck over here, you know, looking at tape and trying to figure out exactly, you know, what level a player is. You're going to hear it from a former NFL head coach and defensive coordinator. All right, and that's Chuck Pagano. We'll, we'll get into that here in just a second. But let's just kind of kick things off with Emilio from Tennessee. He sent me a couple text message exchanges here. He said, the Chalk Talk episode was good on the mower. Had to see it for myself. I love the breakdowns you you do. It brings me back to the high school ball days. Um, and watching that love to Watson again, uh, he was jogging in the line. Is there is here for love. I'm excited for the season. I said, same man. The season is going to be a lot of fun watching these young, young guys grow. He said, also, I don't know if you know or not, but if Van Ness was a forward and faced off in hockey, that could also be that quick twitch and reaction times. Reminds me of the face-offs in lacrosse, quickest twitch. Off the whistle wins the clamp. Man, I love look at this. We get a little bit of lacrosse chalk talk. I I could not tell you the first thing about lacrosse, Emilio. <laughs> I am completely ignorant when it comes to that sport. Although I, I could probably get into it, but if I take on one more sport or one more hobby, my wife is going to throw me out in the street on my head. Uh, he said, "You're explaining it well in the pod, and I can visualize it just to let you know." And of course, I said, "Appreciate the feedback." He said, "Yeah, you're killing it. Just keep uh, just keeping up on left and right." like how you say left hand on the center, right on the guard. All that paints the picture. Appreciate your efforts, man. So um, let's do this. Let's kind of talk about uh, Lucas Van Ness. Let's just jump right in. All right. Again, a different angle. Um, you know, Lucas Van Ness, if he was a forward in hockey, like he said, that quick twitch with face-offs, things like that, regardless of what position he plays, although, I'm, you know, I, I definitely know that uh, – that Emilio understands that sport more than me. Um, you've got to have that hand-eye uh, coordination, and we talked about that. What's crazy is when Chuck Pagano gets in his video here in a minute, um, he doesn't even mention that, right? So that's something that we pick up on tape, and he's talking about the raw power, the raw athleticism, and and things like that, which I think we would all agree is way more important than hand-eye coordination. Although uh, both can kind of play, you know, one uh, A and one B there. Um, you know, uh, we got to. 
we've got an interview from rookie minicamp here with Lucas Van Ness. And I just want you guys to hear him talk for the first time. And I was really excited about this because, you know, sometimes you don't know how a player carries themselves. When you see someone with his raw physical ability, you know, I don't know how to say this without being mean. I've met a lot of just corn fed, what we call hosses down here, right? I'm talking about just big old boys, big, big old, big old country strong. And, and people hear that and they might immediately think, oh, you're talking about white boys. No, no, I'm talking about all different races. But, you know, guys that have they've worked on the farm, guys that have bailed hay, uh, guys that are just, you know, constantly in the weight room. And you talk to them and, you know, they're they're uh, I'm trying to think of a nice way of saying this. They're not the sharpest tool in the shed. We'll just put it that way. But when you hear Lucas Van Ness talk, just how well-spoken he is, everything that he knew about Iowa inside and out, you could tell he was – he didn't just play there. He was embedded into that football community, into uh, that that university, in, in, in with the coaching staff and the players. He was – everything it means to represent an Iowa Hawk, Hawkeye, right? And the other thing I come away with was just he's hum, humble and hungry. So let's, uh, let's hit the tape here. I just want you to – I want you to listen to Lucas Van Ness here. This was in the locker room during rookie uh, rookie OTAs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I believe this is Coach Ferentz's 24th or 25th year going on. So he's a big history guy, uh, loves to bring up past teams, uh, past players, um, and the way they went about their business and the standard that they held. And that's the standard that they set and the standard that, you know, Coach Ferentz wanted us to, you know, uphold. Uh, so it was awesome to see some previous and past players, uh, you know, that have gone through the building and done it the right way uh, and watch how they play on tape and how they act in the building. Um, and, you know, having a coach like Coach Ferentz who has been both in the NFL and played, uh, you know, coach at the collegiate level for a long time. He's a ton of experience and he's really good. Um, you know, we're a developmental factory at Iowa and he takes guys that are a little under-recruited. Uh, he develops them into, you know, true men, to true football players and prepares them for the NFL. So you're like 19 and he's putting up the guys that you watched growing up in the NFL. Yes. Are there any that come to mind? Uh, you know, I, uh, I played a little inside my sophomore year. Uh, you know, Coach Bell specifically, my D-line coach, would bring up you know, Carl Davis, uh, you know, some other players. But, you know, there's just so many guys, uh, you know, that have rolled through the University of Iowa that have, you know, ended up playing at the next level. So, you know, there's a list of people I've, you know, watched and learned my game from. You know, coming in, I, uh, there was a couple of guys on their way out, AJ Panessa, uh, Chauncey Goldston, who was down um, in Dallas now. So I came in at an awesome time. Uh, you know, Jack Heflin was up here for a little bit, but you know, surrounded myself with a lot of vets and guys who have been in the program and succeeded at a high level, and you know, learn from them. What does success kind of look like for you? Really, get going. What does it kind of look like for you actually just getting started here? With yeah. The first couple of practice. For me, I just want to come in and learn as much as possible about the system and what it means to be a professional. Uh, as I mentioned before, this is a whole brand new learning curve for me. Uh, you know, getting used to. You know, playing football but not having to manage school um, and all the tradition, traditional things I had to manage as a student athlete. Um, so I'm just really excited to, you know, get into this phase of my life. And for me, I just want to come in every day and walk away and, you know, sit down the other day and, you know, think that I learned something. Um, and that's honestly the best way to improve. All right. So, again, not a whole lot there, but I just wanted you guys to hear him talk. Um, everything that he knew about the Iowa Hawkeyes to, you know, former Iowa Hawkeyes that are, now playing in the league, you could just tell he's he's very aware of what's going on. 
right? Rather than just, man, I just want to get in here and work. I just want to, you know, blah, blah. Like he, I don't know, man. I can see him being a spark plug. I can see him being one of those glue guys in the locker room. And and every time you see him, he's smiling, right? And and it's crazy because you see him on the field and he's an absolute monster. He really is. Um, and speaking of that, Let's dive right into the next section here, okay? This is Chuck Pagano is going to talk about Lucas Van Ness. Some of you guys are going, who is Chuck Pagano and why should I listen to him, right? Well, let me just give you kind of a little background about Chuck. And some people see him on the uh, Pat McAfee show and they think, who is this idiot? Blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you who this idiot is, okay? He started coaching. He was actually a graduate assistant uh, in college in 1984, okay? To put that into perspective, I was two years old. Some of you guys are going, you were two years old in 1984? You're a dinosaur. <laughs> It's true. It's very true. But he uh, he became the def- became a defensive coach real early on, and that's really the side of the ball that he primarily worked with, right? He actually worked for five different NFL teams. He was a head coach for the Indianapolis Colts for six years, and that's how he met uh, 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 Pat McAfee. Okay, that's how they kind of came to know each other. And he does, uh, you know, a lot of stuff on on, uh, on McAfee's show where he's breaking down film, this and that. It gets goofy at times. I'm not going to lie. It gets it gets very cringeworthy sometimes, but this guy knows football. Okay, he also worked for the thirty third team. All right, so he did a video for the thirty third team where he broke down Lucas Van Ness. So let's jump right into it. It's about ten minutes long. I may pause from time to time and give a little bit of feedback, um, but I'm hoping I can let it play through. That way we can just kind of wrap it up with a little bit of feedback at the end. Again, guys, you heard me break down the tape. You've seen me, uh, you know, uh, do a Chalk Talk episode on Lucas Van Ness. And what's cool is a couple of those plays made it into Chuck's highlights, right? Uh, one particularly that Emilio was talking about, Emilio from Tennessee was talking about, where I was talking about right hand on the guard, left hand on the center, where he was occupying that A gap and kind of taking on a double team there. And, and, and you know, Chuck points out he plays a lot of two gap. But, again, I want you guys to hear it from a former NFL head coach working for the 33rd team, a guy who's been around football since 1984. Don't take the dumb rednecks word for, you know, <laughs> word is gospel. Let's hear it from someone who's been around the game uh, for so, so long. But here's Chuck Pagano on Lucas Van Ness. Okay, the player that we're looking at here on tape is number 91 on defense, Luke Van Ness out of Iowa. This is a 6'6", 272-pound defensive tackle, uh, defensive end, edge player, um, Iowa utilized this player over the last couple of years in, in multiple spots. So he, he gives you a lot of play flexibility or position flexibility. Van Ness's upside is huge. I think is, he's got a really high ceiling. He's a redshirt sophomore coming out, so he's a young player. All of his good football is in front of him, but he's going to get a lot of burn as a rookie and, and maybe end up starting by, by mid to, mid-season at, at, at worst. He's number 91. He's the right two-eye technique, which is uh, a technique where you're aligned on the inside eye of the offensive guard. This is a big, powerful, strong, explosive player. Was a hockey player coming out of high school or growing up and started playing football in the eighth grade. For an interior defensive lineman, whether you use this guy in a 3-4 or 4-3, what people need to know so much now is there's, there's so much sub uh, defense on the field, 75% of the time, really. So you play this guy as an interior. You guys know we've talked about that over and over during our Chalk Talk segments all year long. You know, they talked about being in a sub package 70% of the time. Uh, you guys know I've talked about, 
know, specifically 11 personnel. That's what he means by sub package for those of you who may not understand that. Um, yeah, again, I'm not trying to talk down. I always want to put that. I'm just, I, I cringe at the thought that somebody's hearing my voice right now going, what does that mean? And then we just gloss over it and they had an opportunity to learn something because there was so long that I watched football that that happened. But when you're talking sub packages, right? Um, you're, you're talking about that nickel package. You're talking about they came out in 11 personnel or maybe 10 personnel, and there's either you know three or four wide receivers. You have to come out of your base defense into a nickel. A nickel is a sub package, and and it got really exotic exotic uh, from 2000 to 2010. Now it's kind of calmed back down a bit. But, again, the league is cyclical. It may uh, ramp back up to where we're throwing a lot more exotic looks. But what he's simply meaning by sub package is nickel defense. Guy, you're going to get great push from the interior pocket, and it's so important. Also, I'm sorry, the play he's showing is that play where I was talking about where he had the hand on the guard and the hand on the center and uh, got great push. Um, this is actually the one, yeah, where he 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 shows an outside move once he uh, disengages with the center and primarily takes the outside shoulder of the guard. And then Lucas Van Ness, uh, eyes in the backfield the entire time, comes back and gets the sack as the quarterback tries to evade there up the pocket. So he occupied the double team. And he ended up making the play, which is really, really phenomenal. Especially if you got two uh, two guys screaming off the edges, uh, you need interior push, and this this young man can certainly do that. As you can see right here, just dominating the offensive guard here. Good movement, retraces back inside and gets the sack here. The next play that we're going to see for the, when you're playing defensive tackle, especially on early downs, rundowns, you're looking for guys that can get knock them back. He's the left three technique here. They're running some type of uh, a little pressure here, bringing a, a linebacker and a safety, obviously trying to get a safety here in this situation where they've got this team backed up. He's, he's actually slanting from a three technique outside shade of the offensive guard. To so we already heard two eye. Now we're hearing three tech. The inside eye of the offensive tackle. You can see him here. Once he makes contact, he's got good pad level. This kid uses his hands really well. He's got 11 hands. He's got heavy hands. He's physical. He gets knock him back here. And then he's got the ability to shed, come off, and, and get in, uh, get involved in the tackle here. So, again, this is – this is his teammates call this – his nickname is Hercules. I guess I ain't seen him in his underwear. It's one thing I miss or don't miss from going to the, uh, to the combine when they used to parade the guys across the stage, uh, you know, in their, in their flojos, if you will. Uh, but I guess this guy looks like Adonis. He's cut up, he's chiseled, he's a weight room guy, he's an energy guy. So here's another one where he's playing a defensive end position. Um, and this is wearing a 3-4. I think this guy's got ideal size. Probably going to put on some more weight once he gets to the National Football League. Like I said, I think he's 275. All right, so we talked about that. I want to pause real quick. We talked about that before. You know, uh, they asked, was it, I think it was Coach LaFleur, they asked him. Or no, it was it was Brian Gudikins, I believe. They said, do you anticipate he's going to play at that weight or do you want him a little bit slimmer? And he said, well, I don't think he can go any slimmer because he's just all muscle. There's no fat. It's just, just straight, you know. I would love to see what his body fat is percentage-wise. And what's crazy is when they say he's cut up, he's not like – professional wrestler rip veins popping that type of guy right you could see the muscle right and the definition but he's also thick he's also just you can just tell he is stout he carries that weight really well so if he is coming in at a 272 and brian gudekin said i don't think he can go down right 
because it's just solid. You'd have to lose muscle, therefore you're going to lose strength and quickness and burst and all those things that are important, especially playing that position. Um, but you could put weight on. So if you put weight on, <clears throat> then guess guess what? Let, let's say you go 272 to 280, right? And I'm not suggesting they should do that. And maybe they'll just try to keep him right at 270, 275. But if you do go up to 280, you can really get into the, some of the stuff that he did in college with the two eye, with the one text, with the three, with a little shade. You can do all that stuff on the interior. You'll hear in a minute he played a little four as well. Um, but I just wanted to point that out because we talked about that, um, that he could potentially put on a little bit of weight. And uh, and maybe even be you know even more dominant. I, I can't remember what JJ what what weight he played at, but uh, you know I, I imagine that Lucas Van Ness is a little bit slimmer than what JJ was. If I had to guess, I'd say JJ Watt was somewhere around 285, 290 uh, for the most part. But I could be completely wrong. Um, so yeah, I just want to point that out. He can put some weight on. He's the left five technique, four technique head up on the tackle. I think he's going to move to an inside. Shade, four eye. He's two gap in this offensive tackle, but he's got an overhang player, an outside linebacker sitting right on the uh, the Hawkeye there, about the um, 45 uh, yard line. So he's got B gap control. That's the gap between the guard, the left guard, and the left tackle. We can see he's got a. It's a near gun set on offense. So the so the back, the quarterback's in the gun. The back set near to the open side here to the field side. They're going to run a little bit of a zone read play here. And again, he's got, and you can see this guy, when he comes off the ball and he strikes right there, he's pad under pad. So he plays for a taller guy. He plays with good leverage, uses his hands extremely well. He gets knock him back, and then he's able to separate, extend his hands, which gives him the ability to, once the ball declares, he can tear off this block. We call it an arm over and then get involved in this tackle. And that that's it's absolutely huge. For what he's describing on tape, guys, he's he's basically, you know, he's kind of head up on on the tackle, gets the knock on back right off the line. We talked about that in chalk talk. One of the things is that you notice is he's got that quick twitch, he's got that first step, bang, he gets him, knock him off, rides the tackle inside, then is able to look in the backfield, see the running back cut. He literally takes away the gap that the running back's trying to hit and then sheds the block and makes the arm tackle for a no gain. And the guy that was out there to set the edge that he said, okay, he, and this is this is Lucas Van Ness knowing his role within the defense, knowing what he his responsibility is on the play. The first responsibility is take away that B gap. He does that. Initial hit, bang, takes away the B gap, eyes in the backfield. The running back adjusts, tries to bounce it outside, although he knows he's got a guy to help out there. He still sheds the block, makes a tackle before the linebacker or the safety that was coming up on the outside could even get in on the play. It's just – and, again, we got to curb the enthusiasm a bit because we know he's not going to come in the NFL right off the bat and dominate the way he did in college. However, that's exciting because now all you got to do is get him used to the speed of the NFL, used to the strength of the NFL, and he already understands what it is he's trying to accomplish when it comes to his specific responsibility. That is 90% of the game. It's why I put so much so much weight into tape as opposed to combine numbers and things like that, right? Because I would much rather take a player that you see on tape that understands he knows his role in the defense, and he's, and he's also got the physical ability. But first and foremost, you can be the most athletic human on the face of the earth, and it does not matter if you're dumber than a brick on a football field, right? The same thing applied when I played baseball. Base, it's the same exact. Baseball is just such a thinking. You you literally, 
I know it's not a baseball pod, but just to try to draw a parallel again, playing shortstop, which I did, like you've got to know every situation in real time. You've got to know if there's a runner on first, if the balls hit the left field, I know where I'm going. If the balls hit the left field, I'm the cut off the third. If the balls hit the right field, I got to cover second, right? If the ball makes it all the way to the fence, we're doing a double cutoff and setting up a play to third, unless the play shifts to, to a throw to home. You got to know where everything, if the ball is deep, deep left field, I know where I'm going to be the, the first of the double cutoff, right? And in and, and football, it's very, very similar. And when you get a player that understands not only his role, but how he can maximize his spot in the defense, that's what separates the good players from the great. And typically the good players are very athletic. The great ones are very athletic and they understand the game of football, not only their position, but their teammates around them being on the same page. And it's what we talked about on the offensive side of the ball a lot. And, and I just think it's, it's really impressive, guys. The first two that I broke down, Lucas Van Ness, extremely smart, playing within the scheme. Luke Musgrave, extremely smart, playing within the scheme. The way he helps sell the run on the play action, all the little things, those are the things that matter. Andy Herman talked about Luke Musgrave uh, yesterday, and he was like, man, this guy is fluid. And the first thing I thought was, in our notes, what we talked about on Chalk Talk for the Luke Musgrave episode was quick and fluid, quick and fluid. You see it all over his tape. Andy's seeing it in rookie minicamp, which is really exciting. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu.
That's really good because this guy, again, he's really controlling two gaps. He's knocking this tackle back, taking care of the B gap, and then coming off, arm over, crossing face, and getting involved in this tackle. It's a nice play right there. Big, strong, physical dude this guy is. Okay, so this next one, I think he's in the same position here. He's playing the left five technique. Again, he's got the overhang player, uh, the safety, and I think in this one is on his on his outside hip here. Again, he's two gap in this tackle. Maybe go to the end zone on this one again. We're looking at the guy lined up in a five technique right over the offensive right tackle. I, I wish you guys could see this. Like he literally takes on the tackle. And his responsibility is the B gap because he's got an overhang player, the safety or the uh, the corner. I'm not sure. I'm not that familiar with the roster at Iowa, but he knows he's got outside help. He engages, quick twitch, punch. He literally throws the tackle into the gap he's responsible for covering. So rather than just, it would be so easy to mail it in, engage with the tackle, and say, "Okay, I'm doing my job. I'm occupying the B gap." He he goes one step beyond. He literally throws the tackle into that gap. So. Hey, whether it's your body or mine, there's a 300-pound uh, human being in the gap you're supposed to cut into. He throws him into that gap and then sheds off ready to play the run and actually backside pursues because the guy cuts across the field. He cuts left from the offense's perspective. Lucas Van Ness chases him down to make the tackle. So not only did he occupy his gap, but he also made the tackle two, three gaps over. He's going to come off here. Again, pad level is excellent. He's got B-gap responsibility. The C-gap outside of him is to the overhang player, number 28 from Iowa here. So he's got B-gap responsibility here, and he does a great job. He can either get inside here, or he's going to use the offensive tackle, in this case, to cancel the B-gap, stack this guy, get some knocking back, throw this guy, and then come down the line of scrimmage again. This guy has range. He's big. He's long, and I think he ran a four five eight at the combine, which is for a six six dude at two hundred seventy plus pounds running four five eight. That's phenomenal. We always talk about with these defensive linemen, these edge player, these five techniques, whether they're two point, three point. Here he's going to be a stand up nine, uh, five technique up top. We're going to see some pass rush again. If you all right, so now we're talking about a stand up five tech, and for those of you who who may not know. A five technique is the outside shoulder of the tackle, and he's standing up. This is what Green Bay does a lot of, right? So we've showed you how he can play interior. We showed you how he can play two-eye. He can play four. He can play three. Now he's playing five stand-up outside linebacker. And it's why you've heard me talk about it. If we're going to ease him into this defense, if Rashawn Gary is healthy and you got Preston Smith on the other side, uh, J.J. and Igbarre to help out as well, then why not on pass rushing downs, you know, third and medium, third and long, put him on the interior to rush. But here now you're going to see and you're going to hear Chuck Pagano, former head coach, talk about him playing a stand-up outside five technique, which is our traditional outside linebacker that Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith play. You pause it for a second. Three things we always talked about when we're talking about these edge defenders. One, first trait that they got to have, they got to be able to set an edge. Number two, rush the passer, obviously. And then number three, uh, last but but not least is is some coverage, especially these three four guys. If they go to a three four team and they're playing in a two point, they're playing some stand up. You want them going forward. Like when I was at Chicago and I had Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd, Robert Quinn, B 
people always scratching their head and, and MF and me all the time. Every time they saw those guys drop in coverage, saying, what the hell are you doing, coach? These guys are pass rushers. We need them getting after quarterback. I understand that. But every now and then they're going to have to drop. You know, not as much, obviously, as going forward and getting after. Didn't that sound like Packer fans talking about Preston Smith? <laughs> It's the first thing I thought of when he said that, that he had guys in the locker room, guys in the organization going, why Why do we got this guy standing up? We need him rushing the quarterback. Why is he in coverage? Because every now and again, you get put into it. You know, the other team gets paid too. They're looking to match personnel. They're looking to come out in a 21 look or a 12 look, you know, one running back, two tight ends, or two running backs, one tight end, put you in a base defense. Then they come out and they got it spread. In some cases, nobody in the backfield. Guys, when you get in that position, guess what? Big old Preston Smith going to turn into a cornerback. That's just the way it works. And that's that's the power of utilizing substitutions and disguising empty looks, or at least disguising, you know, uh, one one back backfield looks um, coming out of the huddle, making you think they're going to come out in an I formation or a, a double attached tight end, you know, a, a Y and an H on the line of scrimmage and and looking to run a ball down your throat. you got to be prepared to stop the run, but willing to adjust, and you've got that backup play, which is what makes Devondre Campbell so uh, so valuable that when you get in those situations, he can make sure people are in the right spot when the offense puts stress on the defense, even pre-snap, breaking the huddle and forcing those guys into coverage. you got to be able to do it. We do know that Lucas Van Ness has the, the physical traits, the ability to do that from time to time. But like Chuck said, and rightfully so, people within the organization get mad when they end up out there like that. It's just a part of the game. You want to minimize that, but you got to be prepared to uh, to fill that gap if you need to. After the quarterback's ass. So um, I, this kid's got the ability to do that. But certainly, most important thing now is, is rushing the passer and getting to the quarterback, affecting the quarterback. Again, this is one thing he can do. He, again, he plays with great pad level. He gets underneath this tackle. This is a bull rush. He knocks this guy's back. You can see uh, a good look from the end zone copy here. If we go to the end zone copy, he's going up against a guy that's going to be a dude, Paris Johnson, this left tackle, number 77 out of Ohio State. Probably a pretty good player and probably going to play on Sundays. And watch what Van Ness does to this guy. He's going to have to work. Ooh, Paris Johnson. Oh, he didn't want that smoke. He did not want that smoke. He got absolutely dog walked. By Van Ness, this is that that is. I, you guys need to go find that clip. Just go go search YouTube, Twitter, whatever, and put Van Ness Paris Johnson. I guarantee you can find it. He, I mean, he Paris Johnson was on skates the entire rep on his pass rush uh, repertoire and add some some more tools to his toolbox. But I think once he gets to the National Football League, wherever he lands, they're going to get him. This guy's this guy's just a a piece of clay that they're going to mold into a pretty special player, in my opinion. This is going to be a – he's lined up at, at the uh, the right defensive end spot here, a loose loose five technique. This is going to end up being offensive play. They're going to be – they're going to run what we call a, a mold boot, bringing a guy from the backside underneath and bringing him in the flat, a little influence out of the running back off a jet sweep action. And you can see this guy – this gives you a little bit of an idea of what he's going to be like uh, playing in space, his change of uh, direction, his athletic ability. And you see he does a nice job here, squeezing, shoulder square, come back inside. Doesn't really get involved in this, but affects this play a little bit where somebody else can come up and get this quarterback on the ground. If you go back and you watch this guy in the combine drills, when they take those defensive linemen, the outside edge guys, and then they do linebacker drills with them, they do drop drills, 
This guy for, again, a 6'5", 275, he moved pretty good. This kid is pretty nimble. Again, it's not what you want a player like this doing a lot of the time. Uh, again, you want him setting edges. You want him getting knocking back, playing defensive line, uh, all those kind of things, rushing the passer. And then when you have to drop him or they have to play in space, he's a good enough athlete and has enough athletic ability and change of direction and those kind of things to, a, to be productive out in space. I think Van Ness's upside is huge. I think he's got a really high ceiling. Um, it's going to take, take him some time. Again, it just depends on where he goes, who he goes to. 3-4, three, 4-3, four, four, three, in my opinion, he's got the ability right now because of his, his size, his athletic ability, the way he runs, his range, arm length, all those things. I think you can plug this guy in. Again, he's got two years of experience, really. He was never a full-time starter. He's a redshirt sophomore coming out, so he's a young player. All of his good football is in front of him. So from a situational standpoint, I think he's going to be able to get some reps, you know, in base defense, sub-defense, whether he's playing a defensive end, a stand-up LLB, and then on some pass rush situations, putting him at defensive tackle and lining him up over some some offensive guards is going to be a mismatch uh, for, for the opponents that he's going against in the National Football League. So day one starter, um, with his limited experience, I don't know that, but he's going to get a lot of burn as a rookie and, and maybe end up starting by, by mid-season mid at, at, at worst. All right, so there you go. That was uh, former head coach Chuck Pagano talking about Lucas Van Ness. I thought that was really, really phenomenal. Um, just being able to sit down and take notes on a – a former football player or football coach that has been around the game, like I said, longer than I've been alive, really. I mean, he obviously he played the game before he was a graduate assistant in 1984. He played college ball. He probably got introduced to football in the mid 70s, you know. And uh, anytime we don't slow down and and take into consideration or at least try to listen and learn from people who have gone before us. Uh, not not only me as a podcast host am I cheating myself as a football fan, but as a podcast host, I'm cheating my listeners. Right? Sometimes you got to you just got to shut up and listen, you know, and, and try to learn and try to try to get better as a football fan. That's why I get so aggravated, and I don't mean to get animated or or be quote unquote overly dramatic on here when I get upset with some people's uh, takes on you know certain players or certain issues. It's it's almost as if I. I've just heard way too many people be like, I don't care if he played the game. He's an idiot. Okay, dude, I get it. How, how much did you play? Oh, you didn't play football at all. Got it. It doesn't mean your opinion isn't valuable, but it, it's, I just don't want to be – I don't want to be that football fan. I don't want to be that podcast host where I'm coming across like, these idiots don't know what they're talking about. He was a backup quarterback. Okay, I mean, yeah, he was a backup quarterback, but – he was a backup quarterback, right? So, uh, again, trying to keep it positive, but it's just so important to to learn from people who have been there. You know, the old saying, uh, if, if I have seen farther than anyone, you know, it's because I got to stand on the shoulders of giants, right? And that's what's made people great at any craft they've had is being willing to utilize what other people have already done so you don't have to walk through that minefield. It's, it's like in business, you, you know, if someone else – if someone ever comes to me and says, hey, you know, I'm where you want to be right now, 
in this specific business model or this endeavor, um, man, I made a lot of mistakes along the way. But what if I could show you where every trip line is, where every landmine is in this field that you're about to walk out so you don't step on it and make the same mistakes I made? Bro, I'm taking that offer 100 out of 100 times, right? Because, you know, you you can't feed your family and your ego at the same time in any endeavor. And the same thing applies with football. There's so, so much material out there. So many great people have been around the game that can teach you the ins and outs, the X's and O's. I've heard, I've had several people reach out to me and say, man, I've learned a lot from your pod. You know, you, you, you know, they, they almost, it's weird how some people compliment me. Like I'm, you know, this big expert on football. I'm no expert guys. This is just stuff. I'm copying things that I've heard in the past. I'm, these are books that I've read. Take your eye off the ball, uh, gridiron genius, um, you know, on and on and on Bill Walsh's book, you know, the football Bible. There's all these things that we have at our, at our fingertips. And, you know, all we've got to do is dig into that information. And man, I'm telling you, if you just want to casually watch football, this ain't for you. I completely understand. But if you're that person that's like, man, I really want to understand the game, dig into that material. And then you sit down and watch a game on Sunday. It's hard not to hit that rewind button. It's hard not to hit that pause button and look at look at the specific formation and the techniques we talk about. And okay, where where are they playing shade? What what is the quarterback seeing in the front here to change the play to can out of this and that? Man, it, it takes it to a whole other level. Sometimes it takes me before I started doing the pod. It would take me four or five hours to get through a game, a live televised game because I was constantly doing that, trying to understand in real time. Because, like I said, I'm an idiot. I'm a moron. I need all the help I can get. And if I just let it pass by and, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up on that later, no, it's already gone. It's not coming back. I have to do it in real time. So uh, I thought that was pretty cool. But a quick recap, you know, like I said, he plays with great leverage. These are just some of the notes that I took listening to Coach Pagano talk about um, Lucas Van Ness. He plays with great with uh, good leverage. He played a bit of two uh, two gap. I didn't realize how much two gap he played. Now, I again, I showed you that one play where he had the hand on the guard in the center and then still got the sack. But he played a lot more two gap than I originally thought. You know, he played two eye, he played four, he played three, he played five. You heard Coach Pagano say loose five. What he meant by loose five is he wasn't just on the outside shoulder of the tackle. He was a little bit further out. What I would probably consider a six tech, but you can't call it a six tech because there's no tight end to directly line up across from. So that's what he meant by a loose five there. Um, uh, plays with great pad level. Literally threw that right tackle into the B-gap responsibility and then chased the running back down and helped bring him down. Uh, he sets the edge very well. You guys heard us talk about that um, in Chalk Talk. He, uh, I was really, really impressed with how how well he could set the edge. God knows we need that more than anything with this run defense. We need someone to be that that edge setter. We haven't had that in quite some time. Um, he, uh, he rushes the passer well. He's athletic enough to drop occasionally, although you don't want to put him out there too often. Um, has a fantastic bull rush. He absolutely owned Paris Johnson, one of the, uh, the hot, you know, highly touted offensive tackles in this year's draft. He has an elite ability to change direction, especially for his size, um, and a very, very high ceiling. The, the one negative, though, is he's very inexperienced which I almost view as a positive, but you guys know me. I like to think of the glass half full rather than half empty. I like to think of what can a if, – if they were able to get this much out of them in Iowa, what are they going to be able to do at, at the Green Bay Packers with, you know, some of the uh, – what should be some of the best coaching in the history of the league? Some of you guys just cringe and said, I hate Joe Barry. That's not the best coach I got. Get it? I respect your opinion, but um, 
I think he's going to get better with uh, with our coaching staff's uh, hands on him rather than you know a, a collegiate program. So really, really exciting stuff. Let's get on to another text here. Uh, we got a uh, a text from Donnie, one of the listeners. He asked a really cool question here. He said, "Hey Clayton, I may have missed it. So if you've already did this, then disre- disregard this text. I was wondering if you could do a breakdown of snap percentages with Darnell Savage and Rudy Ford from last year in the box snaps, slot snaps, deep secondary snaps, etc." Uh, curious to see where these guys played the most and how effective uh, they were. Well, I'll just go ahead and tell you right now, Donnie, Savage was not effective anywhere he was. You don't believe me? Look at the PFF grade, okay? I mean, it, it, I, every time I say that, I think, well, he had a pick six, and that's the 10-year-old Clayton saying, no, he's good. He he had a pick six. <laughs> no, he didn't play well. Um, so, yeah, I just said, uh, sounds good, Donnie. I'll see if uh, I could chase down those exact numbers. Um, cause, uh, I said, I would love to know too. He said, thank you. Appreciate it. Of course. Uh, I could Google things, but I love your breakdowns and I appreciate you listening. Donnie, thank you so much for the kind words. We did that. We dove into the numbers. I've got them charted here and, uh, it, there was no surprise here to me. Um, not that I'm saying Donnie would be surprised, but, um, when I looked into this, it was sometimes when I come away from a season, I remember things totally different than than how they actually were. And I go back and listen. I have to eat crow. And I have to go back to old tweets and go, hey, life comes at you fast. That's my go-to line here. When I get something wrong, you're going to see me retweet my tweet, quote tweet it, and say, life comes at me fast because I make mistakes all the time. And when you're watching games and in the heat of the moment, it's easy to overlook you know, specific details, things that are very, very important. And, and we might come away from a game seeing it much different. We've seen it all year last year with Aaron Rodgers, like – There were so many people that were, you know, painting this narrative like, oh, he's playing horrible, he's playing horrible. And then you would go back and watch the tape and go, yeah, you can see the broken thumbs an issue here. He's also making mental mistakes. But most of the time, it was other things that came into play. You heard, you know, first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner break it down and show you here is what's wrong with the offense. It's not Aaron Rodgers making all these, you know, phantom mistakes. But again, in real time, you have people, oh, he's horrible, he's horrible, he's horrible. And it's like, I'm sitting there watching the tape going, man, am I am I the only idiot that's missing this? Like, because that's not what I'm seeing. And then when Kurt Warner spoke up and other people spoke up, it was like, okay, it, it, it you know, it doesn't give you an opportunity to dunk on people, nor should you ever try to do that. But for me, it was just a little bit of confirmation, like, okay, you are seeing it. Yes, he's not playing MVP caliber, but he's not playing bad. He's playing top 10 quarterback play, even with the thumb. So it, that, that, gives me a little bit of peace in the moment because if all you're willing to acknowledge is something that this narrative you want to paint, like this is the problem, and by God, I'm not going to listen to any former player, coach, executive, anybody. I know more than them. This is the problem. Then you're missing what really happened. Therefore, you can't learn and move on to the next level as a football fan and more specifically a Packer fan. That's why those things are important. But uh, when it comes to the Savage and 40 lineup snap count and everything, it's the numbers matched exactly what I seen. Okay. And uh, this is what they were. Darnell Savage, he played 360 snaps, the majority of his snaps at free safety. Okay. And some of you guys are going, but I thought he played the slot the majority of the time. Remember, week 10 is when they made the change. And lo and behold, that's when we start to stretch of the defense playing better. Right. So what changed? You took Darnell Savage out of the free safety spot. My tier two position of importance. You guys heard me, you know, harp about that all offseason long ago. And we need to get us a we need to get better at safety. We need to get better at safety or bring back Rudy Ford because he played free safety better than anyone. Free safety, meaning the safety that typically plays deep 
But technically, free safety is supposed to mean opposite the strong side. Strong safety plays over the tight end side. You guys, that's why it's so important when we do Chalk Talk episodes, you hear us say strong right. What that means is, or strong left, whatever side we say is strong is the side that the tight end is lined up over the formation. Therefore, in the old days, the strong safety is going to line up over that tight end side of the field. Okay. Now, with Fangio's defense, it's very interchangeable. You've got a lot of spinner, a lot of late rotation going from too high on the shelf down to, you know, single high up top, which typically in his defense turns into a, a cover three, a cover four, or a cover six, right? But with that late rotation, um, you've got to be very interchangeable. One thing that Barry did in that stretch was he simplified things. He really did. And it, it became Rudy Ford is going to play deep the majority of the time. Okay, which means whoever was playing safety opposite him, which was uh, Amos, is going to play more in the box. If we looked at Amos's snap count, I guarantee you the majority of his was in the box because he he played kind of that underneath row. You need safeties that can be interchangeable. It's in my opinion, it's almost like you need two free safeties now with this Fangio defense. But you guys also know I feel like the league is kind of catching on to that Fangio defense. You know, one thing that's going untalked about, and I don't want to say this as a Packers fan, is Flores getting hired as the defensive coordinator in Minnesota, that he's bringing over Belichick's way of playing defense. Not going to lie, guys. That roster doesn't scare me at all. It doesn't, right? Kirk Cousins doesn't scare me at all. You guys know Jordan Addison was my top wide receiver. That worries me a little bit, but what worries me the most is Flores going in there and bringing that Belichick-style defense in, which is extremely multiple, and you know he's going to bring in red two. I'm not going to try to explain it to you guys because it there are so many moving parts. The one thing we have on our side is when we get in the red zone against Minnesota and every other opponent gets in the red zone against Minnesota, if they don't have the right personnel and players with a high enough football IQ to adapt to what they call red two, it's exactly what – uh, Belichick implemented into his defense a long time ago. And then also uh, it's something that Nick Saban has taken on really, really big uh, in Alabama and obviously had a ton of success at college. We may get a year or two of them not having players in the secondary with a high enough football IQ to catch on to that red two to where it damages them a little bit. But once they get it down, man, it is it is going to be a really good red zone defense unless the league finally catches on to it and figure out how to attack it and maximize those red zone opportunities. So, um, man, I didn't expect to get off on that, but here we are. <laughs> here we are. Back to the snap count. Uh, Darnell Savage, 360 free safety snaps, but that was those the large, large, large majority of those came um, before week 10 when we made the adjustment and put Rudy Ford in at free safety. Box count 200, slot count 231. So you see that when Rudy came in and – Savage would play in the box from time to time. And, and understand there's some of these box snaps that actually he probably played from the slot but crept into the box rather than playing that traditional slot and staying outside. So keep that in mind. But Rudy Ford's snap count, week 10, so only eight games, week 10 to week 18, he played free safety 308 snaps. He only played in the box 69 times, and he played slot 61 times. And a lot of times that slot came from late rotation or doing exactly what Coach Chuck Pagano was talking about. They'll mix it and match it and putting you in a situation where the safety had to bite down and play uh, directly over a, uh, a guy, you know, in the slot, whether it was a, a running back that got flexed out, you know, maybe maybe something like that, like an H, uh, uh, like a halfback, uh, you know, flexed into the slot or even a tight end getting pushed out to the point where Rudy had to come down and play quote-unquote technical slot because they were able to watch the tape, they get paid to, 
and and basically be able to attack pre-snap and put us in a little bit vulnerable situation to where Rudy did had to come down and play the slot. So that's how the snap count laid out, Donnie. I hope that made sense to you. Again, Savage played free safety for the most part until week 10, and then we shifted to Rudy Ford. The defense got much better. I think Rudy Ford finished with a PFF grade of like 74. Darnell Savage's was in the 40s. Uh, I don't mean to keep coming back to it, but it's – I'm eager to see what he does this year. I say it every year. I'm like, God, please let this be the year that he puts it together. Now, the other guy that came in was uh, Tarverius Moore. When I looked it up, Tarverius Moore uh, didn't have very many snaps last year, although he did play free safety the majority of the time. The year before, had hardly no snaps, and then the year before, he played a lot of free safety. So maybe they're looking at Tarverius Moore as if we don't bring Amos back, he could play opposite um, Rudy Ford. And if he plays opposite Rudy Ford, that kind of makes sense of exactly what we talked about just a second ago. And I didn't plan this. It's not in the notes. It just kind of hit me. Maybe they are trying to get that two free safeties on the field at the same time because, because of that rotational aspect and that spinner look that uh, that um, Joe Barry likes to do with this, this Vic Fangio defense. So hopefully that makes sense. Hopefully that answered your question there, Donnie. Appreciate you taking time to, to text us. Appreciate you, Emilio in Tennessee. Thank you so much for giving us feedback, man. Um, you stay safe out there. It's going to start getting hot down here in Tennessee. I know you're in landscaping, so stay hydrated. Take care of yourself, man. I don't know how old you are, but I still do that type of work uh, to try to stay in shape. And it's, uh, it's one of my businesses and man at 40 years old. And you got a lot of people, a lot of people dropping Dropping like flies with heart heart conditions, heart problems right now. I'm not going to get into whether I understand what that is or not. The the point is the numbers are up. So, man, take care of yourself uh, out there. I just lost a good buddy who's uh, 46 years old, a little bit older than me. Uh, just dropped dead of a, a massive heart attack the other day, and he he worked inside. He was healthy. Actually worked for uh, uh, worked in the uh, I don't know if industry is the right term, but he was in the medical field. I'll just put it that way. So uh, take care of yourself out there, buddy. Appreciate everybody's time. Thank you all all for listening, hanging out with us. If uh, if you're listening to this on Monday, hope you guys have an awesome work day. Hopefully we add something to uh, your work day because I know uh, the majority of the people, you listen to pods the same way I did. Ryan got me through so many dark times, so many so many days where I was just like, man, the, the grind is just getting to me. Be able to pop in a podcast and listen to him talk Packer football. Hopefully you guys are getting a similar value here. Um, and we appreciate all the feedback. If you've got something you want to ask us and you're holding back like, man, I don't I don't want to bother him or uh, I don't you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what you're talking about and you want to text us and ask a question. Those are the ones I get most excited about because nine times out of 10, when you ask a question like that, by the time I, if I don't have the answer, I'm going to find us the answer and I end up coming away learning something. So I want to thank you all for that. Don't hold back. Shoot us a text. We really appreciate it. They've been flooded. I'll get to it as quick as I can. But again, this is what's going to help provide content for the show and, uh, and let you guys kind of steer the ship as we move forward. I also want to thank everybody for always sitting through the ads. Guys, we don't take it for granted. Uh, I need to mention it more often and thank you all. The ads are something that's a, uh, it's, you know, it's, uh, I almost used evil, <laughs> evil necessary, but I wouldn't call it evil. It's, it's something that's going to keep the show going, right? You got to pay bills. You got to pay for the software. You got to keep everything up and running. And the fact that you guys sit through those ads, understand you're the reason 
that you're the reason that we're able to keep things going and keep it going smooth. And I know Ryan appreciates it as well. So just want to thank everybody for your time, uh, hanging out with us, have an awesome work day. Um, keep it positive, man. Don't let anybody drag you down. Uh, you're important. You matter. And, uh, and so does your opinion on the Packers, especially, especially to us, because well, we need that feedback. So have a great day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go. Sort of protective tape or wrap on that thumb next time we see Rodgers. Third and goal. Prescott stands in, delivers, and is intercepted in the end zone. Rudy Ford has a convoy. Rudy Ford with a huge play for Green Bay. First interception as a Packer, and it comes in the end zone at a big time.